Focus football. It is, I don't even know what is February 29th, February 19th. Stefania, it's Monday, February 19th, 20th. We're getting close to the combine. I'm, but uh, yeah, I'm if it's the 29th, I'm in Indy. Also, there's a chance we'll have a February 29th this year, right? I mean, I think it's preordained. Yes, Not there's a that's, chance. No, well, yes, we will definitely have a February 29th. It is February there's 19th. A chance though. we'll make it that far. Fingers crossed, Stefania. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. My name is Daniel Dobb, joined by Stefania Bell, hanging out here. Normally, we would have Field Yates also join us, but Field doing first draft with Mel Kuyper Jr. Go check out the first draft podcast available every Monday and Thursday. Field and Mel getting us ready for all the new prospects coming into the league. Yeah. And there's a lot of them this year. Fun fact, uh, you know. I was talking with Field in the hallway, yes. as one does around as here. As we do, yes. You know, and uh, we were having draft chat as we're both preparing for the draft coming up. Of course. I'm a little more behind the scenes than Field. He's Mr. Front-Facing mm-hmm. uh, Knowledge About Everything NFL. But uh, we, were, we were comparing some notes, shall Ooh, we say. Okay. Yeah, so stay tuned. I'm going to have some draft info coming up on guys you might be interested in. And, you know, as you might expect, Guys coming off an injury from oh, college yeah. yep. and what happens to them in the draft. So uh, exciting time. But very interested. We are still looking back and ahead. Yes, today. that's right. For today's show, we're going to look back and do our fantasy awards last week, this last Sunday, first Sunday without football in like, I don't know. Listen to me. Five and a half months. The season is over. It hurt. <laughs> I didn't like it. Are you happy that I'm like joining you in like. <laughs> Misery? No. Like, no, I don't want you to know. I'm not happy about that. Here's what I'll say. Uh, it's nice to get a break for a weekend, right? But I'm ready for football to be back already. I was in mourning. Well, well that's but, fair. That's fair. I had already That was done a rough. Morning. I mean, I was spoiled being in Vegas and seeing, I saw a lot of Niners fans, yeah, a lot of did. fans of the podcast. Yep. Shout out to all the fans of the podcast who said hello when we were in Vegas. A uh, lot of 49er fans. I think we won the fan attendance mm. in Vegas. Not gonna, you know. Yeah, I, I saw way more Niners gear. I'm not just saying that. I mean, I, that was I heard that from a lot of people. Yeah, I think for the Chiefs fans, they're like, eh, we've another been year, we've, we've been there. <laughs> we we just did it last year. <laughs> Unfortunately for the Niners fans, we were all looking for that to come, come back and uh, yeah, and win this year. But um, a lot of Niners fans. I was actually in the Niners locker room. What? Yeah, before the game. Not okay. not immediately before the game, but earlier in the week as part of the NFL health and safety. We got a tour of everything they were doing to support uh, the Super Bowl from the medical standpoint and all the vantage points. Whose lockers did you like specifically go over to touch to no, make sure? Just to be clear, for anyone who don't <laughs> say that, people will blame me. We need to know. I Sibania. did not touch the stuff. <laughs> I looked at it. In fact, there's a picture that I haven't posted yet that I'll post from inside the 49ers locker room. Nice. But it was also to see you know, what the medical setup was in the stadium. Yeah. Shout out to Allegiant Stadium. I had never been there. Uh, really impressive place. And... Uh, Grass field, not sure if everyone's aware, but that is grass. They bring it in on a tray like they do at Glendale yep. Stadium. And so I was standing on the grass, checking it out and looking, you know, was up in the spotters booth, was down on the field where, and put on the headphones to talk to the spotters. So it doesn't make a difference where you go. They just deliver things to you on trays everywhere, <laughs> Stefania. Here is your grass, madame. Uh, so that was fun. Well, 
you know, that's, that's cool. I didn't get to do all those things. So that sounds like it was, that was very cool. It was do you have really any cool. like super fun stories that you need to make sure that you share that maybe you want to tell us that will embarrass somebody else or anything crazy that happened? Did you meet anybody famous? Uh, it was fun. I saw our friend, saw our friend Matthew Berry. Really, unfortunately, yes. he showed up when I was supposed to be out with Beth. Oh, wow. Uh, but he came along. It, you yeah. know. I, I suppose he had to. Yes. But Beth and I went out. He's the third wheel, right? <laughs> he, it's not you. He was. And if you yeah. saw, again, I posted a picture of Beth and I at the House uh-huh. of Blues. What was fun was Darius Rucker uh, w- was there and we were hanging out talking with him. Darius Rucker, a big fantasy player. Yep. Uh, if I were Matthew, I would say I played in the league with him because he does. Yeah. I do not. <laughs> um, but he's also a big Dolphins fan. And yeah. so we knew that he was going to be playing. This was the Madden party. Uh for those who may not know, I'm part of the Madden. Of the Madden I'm in crew. the game. That's right. And uh, so it was fun to be there. And Darius Rucker was doing a little after party, a little après, you know, private invitation, little smaller party. Yeah, a soiree maybe we yeah. would say. Uh, yeah, and, and it was really fun because it was intimate, what have you. But at the end of his set, he said, now I'm going to bring my quarterback on stage. And he was wearing a little Dolphins hoodie. And anybody who follows him knows a Dolphins fan. And I didn't even realize Tua was there. But next thing I know, he's up on stage playing with him. So that was fun. And it was fun to be able to chat with him after. And you know who was dancing while Tua was playing? Tell me who. Tell me it was Matthew Berry. Uh, No, thank goodness. (laughs) We would have seen photos on the internet if that that would have been on there. Uh, Daniel Jones. Really? Yeah. So that's how I know. This is my reporting skills go all the way. That's right. You might hear a little bit about that later. But anyway, uh, a lot of fun and a good way to end the season with some fun times despite the outcome of the game. Very proud of my 49ers. 49er faithful or called that for a reason. We're faithful to the Bay. Heck yeah. And uh, we're going to do it again next year. Next year, Stefania. I've been saying that my entire (laughs) life when it comes to my football team. Hey, let's talk about this year though because we're going to look back at the 2023 season, give out a handful of quick awards now that we finally have had a Sunday that it wasn't football. I know a lot of teams, a lot of people have already handed out awards. We'll be pretty quick about this. And then you and I, Stefania, are going to dive into a bunch of injuries that happened this year and kind of ask ourselves, what does this mean? What do we need to make sure that we're paying attention to over the off season, anything that could potentially pack the 2024 season? So we'll dive into that as well. A little bit of Daniel Jones conversation, as you already alluded to there. So let's start at the fantasy MVP, Stefania. I know who my fantasy MVP (laughs) is. I feel like you might have the same one, but I want to ask you first, if you had a fantasy MVP for the 2023 season, that award goes to who? I feel like the time we did our last podcast together, I already revealed this. It's Christian McCaffrey. There's zero question about who it is. I mean, he was the AP offensive player of the year. So we're not alone in recognizing his skill. Basically, he's an offensive player. I think that's really key. He's redefined the role of running back because he's so effective in the passing game in addition to the run game. Um, We won't talk about the last Sunday of his season, uh, but throughout the year, led the NFL in rushing yards with 1,459 and scrimmage yards with over 2,000, 2,023. Uh, Touchdowns on the regular, we'd like to see him potentially get in the end zone even more, but the 49ers have several options. I think, what can you say? He's a gamer. He's a baller and his peers recognize it. And I think what impressed me when I was in Vegas is you did not only hear 49ers players talking about him. You heard everybody talking about him. He is so well-respected around the league for his work ethic, his conditioning, uh, his attention to detail in the game. 
um, he all, he said that he's learned learned a lot by watching his dad and watching his dad's work ethic and how he redefined his position. And I I just can't say enough about him. I'm with you on that. Everything that you said, I'm going to co-sign on. A couple things just to add. You had mentioned 2,023 yards from scrimmage. The number two running back in the NFL had 1,580. So he had almost 500 more yards than any other running back in the league last year. Add to that the fact that he had 21 total touchdowns, right? We know that Raheem Morris Mostert had an awesome, awesome season, also had 21 touchdowns, but he didn't do the things that CMC did, right? The idea that you're scoring that many touchdowns and getting that many yards as well. Oh, by the way, he also catches like every pass that's thrown to him. There's just a reason, obviously, why CMC was the safest 1.01 pick And last week, I think it was last week when Liz Loza and I went through, we did our way too early 2024 mock draft Mm. and compared it to the last mock draft that we did in 2023, right before the season. And if you looked at that first round, Stefania, a bunch of those guys, unfortunately, did not produce. We're going to talk about at least one of them in the second half of the show today. So when you have a guy in the first round that didn't disappoint and not just didn't disappoint, but CMC was everything that he was billed to be, I think it's clearly... The one guy to me that is the MVP of fantasy football. As far as the look ahead for next year, the question is going to be, you know, do you draft him first? Or do you draft him first? (laughs) This is what it it really, uh, every year, as you age another year, the question will be, is the running back age a concern? But let's go back a few years when people thought he was done because of the injuries and he sort of put that to rest. So. Uh, you know, ever since he got himself fully recovered and quite frankly got him in a better situation with the 49ers, I don't think he's another guy that until the wheels fall off, I am pretending the wheels aren't falling off. Wow. Talk about a guy that just moved on up though. I mean, from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers. Somebody was saying to me, best trade, best trade of maybe the best in season trade of all time. Right? Like that's uh, unreal. unreal. For one team. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about fantasy rookie of the year, Stefania. I'm again going to start with you. We had a bunch of really good guys. A few people I'm going to list off. Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Puka Nakua, CJ Stroud, Sam Laporta. If you were to pick one of these guys for fantasy football, who is your rookie of the year? Uh, my rookie of the year is CJ Stroud. Okay. And I think it's because we don't, uh, for a few reasons, we rarely see quarterbacks excel in their first year. They might perform well, but they rarely excel and are in competition to be leading uh, amongst fantasy players in their category. Especially guys that are drafted number two overall, because usually when you're getting drafted that high, like no offense, but your team sucks. Tons of pressure or they're, they're waiting, you know, for a year. I mean, he got put into a situation where just think of all the change that has happened in Houston and it was a brand new coach. So he's adjusting to the NFL. You have a brand new coach in D'Amico Ryans. Uh, the Texans have not had the smoothest past few years, shall we say a bunch of turmoil in the front office and a really a question mark about where this organization was going. And despite all of that, and despite quite frankly, some unfair questions about CJ Stroud and uh, had to do with uh, the cognitive test results and some of that getting leaked out and people wondering if he'd be able to produce at the position There became sort of the argument of who watches game tape versus paying attention to the test. But Mm -hmm. you know, the 
these tests are there for a reason. That's another conversation. A lot of people keeping their players from doing those tests before this year's draft. Uh, but CJ Stroud just kept his head down. I think we saw that all year, just continued to grow and learn. So he too, 2023 AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. Apparently, I make the, you know pretty yeah. good choices along <laughs> the public. He got 48 of the 50 first place votes and Pukunakua got the other two, yeah. uh, which will become relevant a little bit later. Uh, led the NFL in passing yards per game. Yeah. I mean, think about that. It's crazy. Uh, and touchdown to interception ratio. This to me is one of the things that stood out. Only five interceptions. Yeah. Especially from a young five. kid. That's, that's huge. Hey, Josh Allen. Yeah, well, don't give <laughs> I mean, me look at, I can't. So I know. I'm not allowed to Look, I love Josh Allen. I'm, me too. We're, 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 it's, it's, it's fun. If you this know, you know. If you know, bit. you know. Yes. But <laughs> the, thing, the point being that uh, I think that reflects back on his composure and his poise as a rookie. Yeah. Unbelievable. And he's only going to get better. We'd like to see a few more touchdowns. You know, I think that that's going to happen. And also in fantasy where people are going to raise the question is he doesn't use his legs for fantasy points. Now right. he uses his legs yep. to get around, to Mobility. move around, to extend plays. That's part of what makes him so good. But if you're looking in the rushing category, that has not been a big feature of his game. I don't know if it will be the Texans. Definitely their run game struggled. And so it'll be interesting to see how that evolves or if it does over time. But when you're putting up that many passing yards, you've got the receivers yeah. that he does, and you are as successful as getting the ball in the end zone as he proved to be. He's not a bad choice. Nope, not at all. And I don't think a lot of people would have thought he was going to do this well, right, given the wide receivers oh. that he had. And we like Nico Collins coming into the season, but I don't think we thought he was going to have this kind of a year, and nobody nobody thought Tank Dell was going to do what he did. So understanding, coming into this team, like I said, that normally when you get drafted second overall, it's not like he joined a team full of a bunch of studs and he got really lucky. I like it. He was a part of the glue that held this team together and that touchdown interception ratio, the idea of not turning the ball over, limiting the mistakes that happen so that his offense stays out on the field. Like he's, there's a lot to really like about this young kid, Stefania. Next year, I'm excited to see how much more he grows. Yeah, so. and he and D'Amico Ryans, rookies yep. together, yep. only the third rookie coach quarterback combo to win a playoff game. Wow. That's incredible. It's amazing. That's, an, that's so amazing. Proud. I'm happy for them and I'm happy for fans of the Texans because just think, you expected, you know, under promise over deliver uh -huh. is one of my mottos in life. The Texans under promise and that. they absolutely over delivered. Yep. And you know who else did? Your Detroit Lions. Yes, that's true. And I got a guy that I want to talk about here for rookie of the year because I think I realize why Puka <laughs> Nakua could absolutely be this guy. But in fantasy football, I went with Sam Laporta because at the tight end position, the idea that you were able to get a rookie from the Detroit Lions that you didn't very likely didn't draft. And he finished as tight end one over Travis Kelsey, over Mark Andrews, over George Kittle, all the guys that have been the mainstays for almost a decade at the tight end position. We saw this from this young kid at a tight end spot. Wide receiver is so deep. There are so many good wide receivers, and that's not to limit what Puka did or how incredible his season was. But from a fantasy perspective, the idea that Sam Laporta had the most fantasy points ever 
from a fantasy tight end since Mike Ditka in 1960, which was the only 10 people were playing fantasy football back in 1960. So like, <laughs> what? like he had double digit touchdowns. No other tight end had more than six touchdowns on the season. He had 10 as a rookie. So the idea that you got all this production from a guy at a position that you're always looking for just that little bit of an edge. If you can get basically a wide receiver in the tight end spot in fantasy, oh my gosh, you are golden. Sam Laporta delivered that and it was never the expectation that he was going to play this way this year. So I thought that was an unbelievably huge rookie season. Very excited to see what he looks like next year with another year under his belt. Because uh, filling in for TJ Hawkinson, those were some pretty high expectations to be able to fill. And, uh, yeah. you know, and he, then he passed him and then in he terms did a of his stats. Job. I think the other thing about Sam Laporta is that we saw he wasn't just, you know, uh, a first down achiever. No, he you know, just a chain mover. He was, he was not just a chain mover. He was a scorer for them. And that's, uh, like you said, it's so hard to find tight ends who score consistently. And even some of the, you know, one of my favorites in George Kittle, you see this rise and fall in terms of their utilization when it comes to rewarding you in fantasy. And they can have a fantastic game. And then all of a sudden they're a little bit, um, they disappear in certain games. Right. It's just just a game flow or whoever the matchup is and what have you. But Sam Laporta did not seem to fall victim to that. And he showed me something in terms of his durability when he had an injury that I thought might be severe. And he came back pretty quickly and he played through it when he even wasn't a hundred percent, he still was able to deliver Mm. in terms of points. So uh, very impressive young man. We call that grit. Yeah. With quite a future ahead of him. Yes, that's right. All right. Fantasy Comeback Player of the Year. I'm just going to be honest. Stefania and I picked the same player independently of each other. So I kind of want to lay the floor because a lot of this is because, you know, more of like what you do here with the injury analysis. But I am all in on Brees Hall as the Comeback Player of the Year coming out of that injury he had in 2022 and the unbelievable season he had in 23. I mean, he was my immediate choice. Yeah. It's just hard not to uh, not to go with him because his numbers were so substantial. I'm even... Though we didn't expect much from him until Mm -hmm. the second half, he actually came back and was productive within the limited amount of playing time he got initially and then continued to evolve. And I think the thing that surprised us all, we talked about this when Mike Clay was here, was how much he was utilized in the passing game. I mean, to the extent where you're like, okay, imagine if he runs the ball more. And, uh, you know, there left no questions unanswered about his health. He obviously worked really hard. We've talked before about ACL injuries being clean versus complex, where you have more than one ligament involved. You might have additional damage in the knee. We knew that he had a pretty clean ACL tear. And I think that paid off in terms of the rehab. It was relative, relatively straightforward and uneventful. Uh, so I think those are things to keep in mind. I mean, we say those things for a reason. Doesn't mean everybody has the same outcome. A lot of credit to him yeah. and how he persevered through his rehab. But I got to say, he and Brock Purdy went to college together and they both, their work ethic, their ability to get through their rehab is super impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, we this, the entire start of this season, we were talking about Dalvin Cook. Hey, guys, be ready for Dalvin Cook. Like, you might be the guy that you see at the beginning of the season, but it's going to be Brees Hall at the end of the season. And it turns out we were all wrong because we never saw Dalvin Cook. It was just all Brees Hall. So the idea that even coming off that injury, I think you mentioned it, he had 15, what was it, 1,585 scrimmage yards. That was second amongst running backs 
only behind Christian McCaffrey. Coming off that injury, he had the second most total yards from scrimmage. He led all running backs in receptions. He led all running backs in receiving yards. And he did all of this with Zach Wilson and a bunch of not good stuff at the quarterback. <laughs> I want to say it in a polite way. So if they get Aaron Rodgers back under center and you think about what they he will. could potentially mm-hmm. do, right? Like that's going to be a... This year was such a great primer to see what Brees Hall could look like. The only thing I would say to that, you talk about Aaron Rodgers coming back. I mean, Brees Hall became definitively a, a, pa- a primary target. In the passing game. In I the want, passing that's game. That's a good point, Stefan. And with Aaron Rodgers back, the passing game is going to look a little different. I'm just going to go we out on a limb. We may not dump it off that yep. much. So yep. I would expect those numbers to potentially dip a little but I don't think that minimizes the impact of Brees Hall as a fantasy uh, or his fantasy potential as a running back. I agree. Even if he loses some of those receptions, if the offense is more efficient then he might, he should have more scoring opportunities, you know, more efficient uh, running opportunities. And so I love Brees Hall. He's very cool. What's All right. Not to love. Fantasy sleeper of the year, Stefania. I'm going to let you go first. Last category that we're talking about before we talk about some of the injuries we want to keep an eye on for the 2024 offseason. Who was your sleeper for the 2024 football season? I'm going to say a guy we've already been talking about, and that's Puka Nakua. He's pretty great. He was pretty great. And I think, <laughs> look, a lot of times you just don't anticipate that, number one, a, a rookie wide receiver is going to have a significant impact. Number two, with it being the Rams. And the issues that uh, they had where we didn't know what was going to happen with Cooper Cup initially, then Cooper Cup is out. Remember, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup had a thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a question as to who he would lean on when Cooper Cup was absent. And that forced absence really, I think, accelerated the rapport between Matthew Stafford and Puka Nakua. And then when Cooper Cup came back, and we worried about whether that would drop off. It did not. And I think a lot of that was due to the trust and what Stafford saw Nakua could do in the early part of the season. Do you know he set the NFL rookie record for receptions with 105 and receiving yards? It's ridiculous. With almost 1,500. And there was something I was going to – I have a little note on my phone, which I'm going to have to find here, um, from our wonderful Keith Lipsum, not Cool Keith. I love not Cool Because Keith. I wanted to know – ADP-wise, where Puka stood. Sure. And he said largely he'd be considered undrafted, which to me is like there's the ultimate sleeper of the year, right? You're not even drafting him. But he said added context would show he was drafted in 1.6% of leagues as of opening night. 1.6%. Hey, shout out to those (laughs) 1.6. That was 92nd among wide receivers. So do you think he exceeded his ADP? I do. Yeah. yeah. So I that's where I came in with uh player of the year or sleeper of the year because I really was considering him as rookie of the year as well, but I wanted to give CJ Stroud the nod there and I felt like this was an unexpected, you know, maybe you were going for a target or maybe if your draft happened when you were uncertain about Cooper Cup, you might have picked up Puka Nakua, and I'm betting in some of those leagues, that's exactly what happened. They took a flyer on him yep. in the very last round of their draft. And lo and behold, it paid off. Puka Nakua finished as wide receiver six <laughs> on the season. You think Keith Lipscomb was one of those 1.6% or do you not think I not cool Keith? No? I yeah. don't. I think I think. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Keith. I wasn't either for no, what it's listen, worth. So. No, we, we were not expecting it. Nope. I think we all, if I'm thinking back 
reflecting on our pre-draft conversation, we were so focused on what was going to happen with Cooper Cup and we really didn't know how the ball was going to be distributed. I assumed it was going to go. I mean, we've seen Tyler Higby get a nice mm-hmm. volume share when there's uh, not yeah. Cooper. So I, I assumed we were going to see more Tyler Higby. We thought and so. And it was just wrong. So uh, really quickly, my how fantasy sleeper you? of the year, I'm going to go for the wide receiver that finished right behind Puka Nakua. <laughs> and that's Nico Collins. Because I, I like Nico too. Collins. I he love was him. One of those guys, right, where he's he came into the 2023 offseason. He's a wide receiver one on his own team. But you're taking a lot of wide receiver twos and maybe a wide receiver three before you take the wide receiver one from what you think is going to be a bad team. That happens a lot in fantasy football. But then Nico Collins, 80 receptions for 1,297 yards and eight touchdowns. What he did in year three was more than he did in his first two years combined. So he took a massive leap in this third season with C.J. Stroud under center, averaged 16.2 yards per reception, 17.4 fantasy points per game. That's a lot. That's game winning. 17 fantasy points from Nico That's a game winner. Yep. And so finished as wide receiver seven ahead of guys like A.J. Brown and Jamar Chase and Debo (laughs) Samuel and Devontae Adams and holy cow. Like you talked about C.J. Stroud. And C.J. Stroud helped unlock Nico Collins and Tank Dell, who we didn't even talk about, but we're excited about both of those young wide receivers. So for me, I'm going to go with this offense, and I just wanted to give a little bit more praise to the Texans for what they did because the expectation for me from a fantasy perspective from their offense this year was so low, and they exceeded every facet of it. That's Like I said, under promise over That's deliver. That's it. That was it. Board. It was Absolutely. fantastic. All right. I love it. Stefania, let's dive into uh, the injury here we go. report. All There's right, a lot, so lot here. We are going to look at players going into next season. I'm going to ask you about a handful of guys that got hurt this year. Ask you either about their rehab, if you know about anything that's going on, and if there's anything to worry about as we look ahead to the season. Can I, can I drop something here before, uh, before we start? Girl, this is your segment. Uh, <laughs> you do what you want to do. make me nervous. I'm just here. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This there is the injury data for 2023 is coming out now. You know, the NFL captures injury data. And so I thought there were some interesting numbers because all of us who play fantasy felt the injury bug impact us at some point. I think every year, one of the things we do during the season is say, this has to be worse than last year. Oh, this is the worst. This has never been this bad. And so we tried to you know, track as we were going through the season, for example, how many quarterbacks had started. I still think that number pretty high. Uh, but when you look at overall injury numbers uh, and the NFL and the NFLPA 
care very much about their injury reduction efforts. We've seen things like uh, acclimation periods during training camp to try to reduce early uh, lower extremity strains, which can be very costly, not only during training camp, but if they extend into the season. Sure. Uh, we've seen the guardian cap usage um, in practice during the preseason, um, and in some cases extended through practices throughout the regular season. And we've seen decreased concussion rates according with the, uh, um, associated with the guardian cap usage and also with some of the changes in the rule books. So these things are really important. Mm-hmm. So far, uh, from the data that we've has been shared uh, related to the 2023 season, a couple interesting notes. Players missed 700 fewer games during the 2023 regular season than they did a year ago. So, some total of all games missed, players missed 700 fewer games. What does that mean? Two to three fewer players were absent from each game throughout the 2023 regular season due to injury as compared to 2022. Okay. So... That's what you like. More of the players who are meant to be on the field are are there. And the decrease in injury burden, and that has to do with uh, the type of injury and the amount of lost time, yep. was driven largely by a decline in lower extremity injuries. Lower extremity, hip, knee, foot, and ankle. That's huge because this is the number one most costly region of injuries in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it can be contact or non-contact. But the fact that... The lower extremity injury rate went down is a really good thing. So there's a lot more to unpack in terms of figuring out what might be the factors for that. Um, is it a fluke? These are, this is why you look at things over a period of time. But this drop was significant compared to what we've seen in the last few years. So um, that uh, to me, that's, that's actually Huge. very encouraging news. Yeah. So we start with that. We're going to talk about players who had significant injuries they were, of course, the ones who counted in the in the time lost. And uh, but overall total decrease missed seven hundred. That's that's huge. a lot. Yeah, and obviously we want to see this game be as safe as possible. It's always more fun when guys that we want to see on the field get to be out there when they're hurt. And it's great when guys. I don't want to say great. When guys get hurt, the cool part about that is that there's someone else that gets to step up and potentially like have their career impacted because they got opportunities now. But ideally, the less injuries we can have, the more that we are all about right. that. So let's. It's, it's, we're never going to eliminate injuries from the game. It's a collision sport, and yep. even so, you know, there, there's also non-contact injuries. That's a whole different topic. But uh, when you see the numbers go down, and you know that there are efforts being made in that direction, that there is something to appreciate there. I don't know if we legitimately saw more quarterback injuries this year than we have in other years, but I felt like that was the reason why we said, are there, inj- are there more injuries this year? Because it just felt like it happened to more high-profile players uh, for us within fantasy. So let's just start at the top with the, probably the first injury that happened at the quarterback position of the season. Aaron Rodgers played just four snaps four. With, the, with the Jets <laughs> four. before he tore his left Achilles. He flirted. Thanks to the miracles of modern science and all the wonderful things that that can do with coming back at the end of the season, Stefania ultimately decided not to, but what do we know about Aaron heading into the 2024 season? So this is interesting because I think everything he did to get ready as if he were coming back sets him up really well and eliminates a lot of the question marks we would otherwise have for him coming into 2024. He was running before four months. That's pretty remarkable when you're talking about an Achilles repair. With any Achilles repair or an Achilles repair for a 40 year old? Uh, well, that I think just makes it that much more okay. impressive. Uh, now you add another six months of conditioning and rehab to the fact that he was trying to get ready for December. Mm-hmm. 
and you consider his progression through weight bearing started earlier. Why does that matter? Because when you're talking about tendon healing, load is important for the tendon to adapt and strengthen. So if you think about when players come back from tendon injuries and they're not loading in the way that he has, some of that reduced power explosiveness that they experience when they first come back to play is as that tendon is adapting. Aaron Rodgers is ahead of schedule on that, and that's been pretty clear. So we may not see that lag in performance from him that we expect from guys coming back from an Achilles injury. Now it's worth pointing out. He's a quarterback. Uh, He's not a running quarterback. You know, he's not a Josh Allen, but he certainly has to scramble out of the pocket. And he, in order to be able to get the ball downfield in order to be able to maneuver enough to extend plays, et cetera, that tendon has to support him in that. And I think, I expect to see Aaron Rodgers looking maybe a little bit better than the last time we saw him play. I'm not counting four snaps of this year. Of course, of course. Because he also had the benefit of not getting beat up for a year. Mm -hmm. And if you think about when he was leaving Green Bay, he had the thumb injury. He had a series of injuries. I mean, he was getting hit a lot because of lack of protection. Who knows what would have happened this year. But uh, I think the key for him to being able to thrive is getting – the protection that he needs to play the position uh, the way that you'd like to see him play and not have to always be on the move. But I don't think the Achilles is going to be the limiting factor, not at this point. Yeah, and it's not just, I mean, Aaron doesn't need that in order for him to thrive alone. Like the Jets need Aaron back so that they can thrive because without Aaron Rodgers, we saw that the team was not prepared to be able to still uh, put forth necessarily a playoff effort. They put everything into it that they could, but when you yeah, have a quarterback, they, well, <laughs> they did the best that they could. Getting Aaron Rodgers will be huge uh, back for this team. So interested to see how that's going to work out. Stefania, let's talk about Anthony Richardson. Everyone was super excited about this rookie season ending right shoulder injury in week five. He also did miss week three because of a concussion. I feel like there were a couple times where he had left the game early and he had a little bit of injury stuff at the beginning of his career. So I know it's a small sample size, but when you look at Anthony Richardson first season, like how are you extrapolating what you took from that and how he's able to hopefully in this off season continue to move forward. I think you surprised some people with how well he was playing right away. The concern was always, you know, he had so few starts in college. What are we going to expect out of him? Uh, And, and I think that he was impressing people with his performance. The problem was injuries limited him. And ultimately it was that shoulder injury that he had uh, damaged his AC or chromioclavicular joint badly enough that he had to have a surgical repair. And that's not a required repair for every grade of injury. So his was serious enough for required repair. If you want more information on this, I actually did a YouTube episode of Answering the Bell where we talked about Anthony Richardson. It is You can find it on the NFL on ESPN YouTube Absolutely. channel. That's I'm going to plug focuses. that because you can go and you can see pictures and we we talk we talk about what he was able to do and and uh do you talk about what the chromio curricular repair within that video or <laughs> look at you. Did I say the words right? You it? sure did. Yes! You sure did. Yes. We, we talk about how you can tell what the severity was based on the events that happened. So okay. if you want to impress your friends Very with cool. this knowledge, go take, go take a look. But in any event, they, when we did that, he was just having the surgery and there's a question because so few quarterbacks have had this um, Alex Smith, who uh, we actually talked to about this, he had it very early in his career and he would say this was one of the hardest things because without it, his throwing could not have been the same. Yeah. Um, so 
what do we know about his progress so far? Well, when a player posts on Instagram pictures of them throwing and the injuries to your throwing arm, you love to see this because that, that, that already tells you he's back to doing some throwing. So far, everything looks good. The other thing that's kind of a little aside is his throwing coach is a guy named Tom Gormley. He's a physical therapist and he works with throwers. You know who else he worked with? I believe that I do, Stefania, but I'll let you announce it. Uh, Brock Purdy. <laughs> yes. And one of the things he does is he gets, he worked with Anthony Richardson before he was drafted. He worked with Brock Purdy before he was drafted. And he really believes that quarterbacks um, should not be defined by their throwing in college completely because just like baseball players, when they're drafted, are able to develop their throwing. There's no reason to think we can't do the same thing with NFL throwers. They just have very different styles of throwing. In, in the process of evaluating and working with his quarterbacks, he does data capture so he gets performance metrics of how they're throwing. Why does this matter? I talked about it when it happened with Brock Purdy, and it will be the same for Anthony Richardson. When they go back to work with him, they have numerical data that shows them basically how they were throwing, how mm. they were performing at throwing before. So they can get feedback beyond just the, how does the ball look when it comes the out of there, test, right? Yeah. Beyond the eye test, beyond the, my arm feels good when I throw, they sure. can actually have numerical data to compare pre and post. I think that's going to be really important for him. And I think it's a huge confidence builder for a thrower to know, Hey, I'm, I'm doing what I was pre injury. So he's still got plenty of time to come, um, to get ready for camp. I do think he'll be ready for training camp based on how he looks right now. So if I'm a Colts fan, I'm excited by the little taste of what I got from the time with Anthony Richardson and yes. looking forward to what he can be in the five weeks that he was able to play. He had four rushing touchdowns, which is what we talked about, right? Especially within fantasy, the ability for him to use his legs just under 60% as a passer in those games. So that is the thing. Like mm -hmm. we saw kind of like that glimpse of what we thought of Anthony Richardson, excited to be able to see what that can continue to be next year as well. Let's talk Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow came into the season with an injury Ugh. that we were all freaking out about, that calf injury, if you remember. Yeah, it and turned then, out that freaking out was uh, appropriate. It ended up being more of a problem than even I thought it, it might be. It was yeah. just really slow for him to come back. And it wasn't just that because he ended up having season-ending wrist surgery in week 11. It is the second time in four NFL seasons, Stefania, that he has only played 10 football games. Everyone knows how talented Joe Burrow is when he's healthy and able to be out there. Other than the fact that they need to still get an offensive line to make sure he doesn't get hit so much. What do we need to know about Joe Burrow? So when he gets hurt, he really, he really gets hurt. Uh, the, the other time that you mentioned when he had limited games during a season was when he had a multi-ligament knee injury. It was horrible and, uh, had to have a massive knee reconstruction. We weren't sure how he was going to look, weren't sure he was going to be ready for the start of the season. And he impressed us all with how he came back from that. Can I ask a question real quick? Sure. Cause I know you're in the middle of starting. Is this one of those, when you talk about the injuries that he's had and how they've been serious, is this like, a um, like an Alshon Jeffrey that always has like a recurring, like maybe I just have bad tissue or it's like a weak tissue for certain things. Or is this Joe Burrow has had like Matthew Stafford early in his career, unlucky situations that were just maybe really bad injuries or is it, or is it a little bit of both? It might be a little bit of both. You know, his, his multi-ligament knee injury was contact. He was hit on that knee, dislocated his knee. 
Uh, there was nothing he could do. Okay. And, and uh, unfortunately, that, you know, front leg of the quarterback in the, in the collapsing pocket is mm-hmm. vulnerable to that kind of thing. Yep. But he came back really well from that. The calf injury was a soft tissue injury. That's a strain. Those are the ones you worry about. Is it something that's going to linger? Is it something that's going to be chronic? That one lingered. It was a little more difficult for him to overcome that. Uh, so there's an example of one of those type of injuries. And then the wrist injury it was really bizarre to me. If you remember that game, he uh, he made a throw. You know, he looked to be having some pain, but you saw him throw, and he really grabbed his wrist after, like he was in so much pain. He ended up having what's called a scapholunate ligament tear. So it, it, all you need to know is the scaphoid and the lunate, two bones, it, little teeny bones in the wrist, and but there's a major ligament there that is necessary for stability in your wrist. And if your wrist is unstable, uh, you can't use your wrist effectively. Okay. And the problem, if it's not repaired, you can end up with uh, massive problems in your wrist going forward. So the repair was critical, right? Is it possible at all to throw a football with a scaphoid lunate ligament re- tear? Well, if you saw what he looked like when he was trying to do it, the answer answer is no. no. Um, And he he was also having a lot of pain. Here's the thing. It's uh, it's an injury that's fixable, but when you're fixing something that is unstable, you need to restore stability. So that means you've got potentially hardware, um, you're you're reconstructing ligament, all, all of these things happening in a little teeny tiny space in the wrist. You restore stability potentially at the cost of some of your mobility. And if you're a thrower, you have a very defined way that you release the ball. Mm. So are you going to have the right balance of that restored stability with proper mobility to throw? Joe Burrow impressed the heck out of me with how he came back from that knee injury. And that he, he, he did, he did find that balance as far as doing what needed to in his leg. I, we just don't have a lot of comps for this on throwers. That's it is not a common, you usually see it with trauma. We see um, defensive backs or the people who like get their wrist jammed or fall on it. Usually it's with contact. It was so odd the way it happened with Burrow that I wonder, and this is just me wondering out loud, if he didn't have something that, you know, in his prior career, whether it was college or even in high school where he did something that kind of set him up, maybe it was a little weaker there. And then it just kind of, went the extra mile and it finally broke down. Um, but the comps that you do have are not really quarterback comps. You're not saying really it's, quarterback comps. Okay. So the thing that works in our favor is past history of how Joe Burrow works sure. at things. Sure. And the fact that he got the sur- surgery that he needed when he needed it. But I don't think we're really going to know until we see him throwing. How, how good does he look? I expect the timeline is such that he is expected to be back and participating in training camp, and there's no reason to think he won't be. My eyes will be watching to see how does he look throwing. I think we all are going to be watching to see how he looks throwing because we know how good Joe can be. It's just, can he be healthy? And we saw what happened, by the way, when his calf was a problem. Mm -hmm. It changed how he was able to throw the ball. So That first game back, not first game, but I remember the first game even talking to you where it was like, boy, we're wondering how his calf is going to look. And it was like, okay, his calf finally looks good now. You could like see it when it had started to turn the corner. But before that, yeah, it's such... It is such a limiting factor in a quarterback's game when you don't have that kind of mobility to be able to scramble. And if you really want to get in the weeds of hypothesizing about this, and there's no way we'll ever really know. But with that calf injury and him potentially compensating however you want to define it 
to be able to get rid of the ball and get the ball down the field? Was he changing the forces that were through his upper body because he couldn't get as much drive from his lower body? And did that contribute in any sort of way to this? Who is to know? Who knows? But these are the kind of things that, you know, people like PTs think about all the time. And it's really important that his lower extremities are strong. His conditioning is great because that will help him with his recovery from the wrist. But, um, you know, stay tuned. I... Look, I'm not going to label Joe Burrow injury prone. I think these are things that have happened to him. Uh, the sample size, like you said, is still pretty small. But, of course, it, the concern is that he has missed time. And I just, sure. he's so talented, you hope that it's not an issue going forward. All right, another couple quarterbacks to talk about. Deshaun Watson had season-ending right shoulder in, uh, season-ending right shoulder injury in Week Ten, but even before that, he had missed three games prior to that season-ending uh, Week Ten. So, well, do you remember what it was we talked about? It. We kind of talked about it on Fantasy Football. Now we had fun with the terminology. Oh, I'm not sure that I remember. Uh, he had a glenoid fracture. That's right, the glenoid. The glenoid. Okay. Do you remember okay. the glenoid? I do is? remember the glen. Um, it's somewhere in the shoulder area. Yeah, it's, it's basically the socket of the shoulder joint. That's what I'm But again, if you want to see exactly what the glenoid looks like and you want to see exactly where the injury is, we also did another Answering the Bell episode on the NFL and ESPN YouTube channel talking about Deshaun Watson's specific injury and what he had done. And, you know, again, this is a st- becomes a stability problem. So you have to have the glenoid repaired um, to make sure that the bony fragments are in alignment. If you recall, when it was announced, it was announced as a displaced fracture, meaning those bony fragments were not in position to heal themselves properly. Had to have surgery. Uh, you all have labral damage typically associated with this. So they had to repair the labrum. His surgery was in November. Uh, so kind of late in the season. Uh, and early on, you have to protect the repair. You don't want to do too much and damage all that good work you did with surgery. So very controlled rehab. Uh, but at four months, you begin to initiate a return to throwing program. So we're pretty close to that. Okay. Um, his surgery, like I said, was November, December, January, February. We're, we're getting there. Um, and if all goes well, he should be participating in training camp. Okay. So we shall see. We'll see how that one works out. Another one that we will continue to monitor. Daniel Jones, you had mentioned him at the top of the show. He had just signed a huge deal, $40 million over the course of four years, $160 million total. And then unfortunately tore his right ACL in week nine and also missed a couple of games earlier in the season with a neck injury that kind of was scary as the well. The neck injury was the thing we were all thinking might do him in. There was yep. a question about whether he was going to go on IR. There was a question about how serious this was because he'd had a neck injury in the past. He was dealing with a disc injury. All the attention around that. And then he has a non-contact injury actually suffered in early November uh, at the Raiders facility, I believe. And on grass for those yep. keeping score at home, um, had to wait a couple of weeks for the swelling to go down surgery on Thanksgiving. And he said, he feels great. I talked to him. How did he look out <laughs> he, there on the dance floor? I mean, you, I mean, you, you, you know, have he, firsthand experience about how his body's moving. Sometimes Stefania. those things tell you more than, than you just about anything else. Yeah. But uh, no, he, he seems to be good. His rehab's progressing along. He's very comfortable with where he is. His goal is to be participating in training camp. That would be about the eight month window. Okay. People know if they've listened by now, it's usually nine months to a year, we say for a full recovery. But keep in mind, he's a quarterback. Now he is mobile. And that mobility is key. Uh, and he, he's aware of that. But I think if he's able to participate by training camp, there's not necessarily a reason I'd anticipate him being delayed. Okay. Uh, he's not like Kyler Murray 
we talked about just the way he runs right. and all of his mobility and the fact in Arizona there there was a question about what was going to happen with him but they decided they wanted to wait until he was until he was really ready uh, if there's any kind of setback for Daniel Jones, it could threaten the start of the season. But as of right now, there's not a reason to think that he won't be out there. Okay. It's going to be a big off season for the Giants to figure out what their team is going to look like moving forward. A couple more players, though, mm-hmm. Stefania. We'll close this out real quick. Nick Chubb, unfortunately, sees an ending knee injury in week two as well. He's 28 years old as a running back with that knee injury. What does that mean for us? I mean... The, I, the positive thing is it happened early in the season, right? Does that mean that there's enough runway for him to be able to back, be back for training camp? So this is a really tough one. Nick Chubb is, is super unique because of a couple things. Number one, this is the same knee he injured that he uh, dislocated when he was at University of Georgia in 2015. So okay. he had a massive knee repair coming into the draft, and there were some people concerned about how that would impact him. Well, Nick Chubb, one of my favorite athletes in the NFL because of how he works, because of the way he runs. If you've ever seen his weightlifting workouts, I mean, he proved all the people who had questions about him wrong. Any doubters, he performed. I mean, we, we've, there are a lot of other running backs who will say to me that they think Nick Chubb is the best pure runner in the NFL. Uh, unfortunately, contact injury forces his knee into hyperextension another multi-ligament injury in that same knee. And what they did is they staged the surgery, meaning they did part of the repair early and then waited for that to recover and then did the second. So the first procedure was MCL meniscus repair. And then the second procedure, which wasn't done until mid-November, was the ACL repair. So the timeline's a little tight, and okay. I think we're just going to have to wait and see. Nick Chubb is otherworldly in terms of his work ethic and rehab, so it remains to be seen. But it just, I have to say, the fact we're having this conversation is far exceeding the expectation of when the injury happened. I, I thought that might be Could it, and I rarely think that right away. But yep. you just think of the type of hit he took on a knee that had already been uh, extensively repaired. I'm impressed that we're talking about the fact that they expect to have him, hope to have him in the 2024 season. I think when we get closer and we're talking fantasy, uh, we're going to see, they're not going to press him to be back week one. And I would not be Do surprised. No, right. I, would, I mean, I would not be surprised if it was not week one, but what we care about is him being able to get back and perform to his prior level of performance and be able to sustain uh, a few more years in his career if that's what he chooses to do. It, do you feel like with his injury more than, and I know we have two more guys so let's talk about, yeah. but Nick Chubb's injury more than the rest of the quarterbacks that we talked about, is there a chance of a setback bigger with him than any of the other guys? Or or does it not really work it just that way? It doesn't work. Yeah, it's hard to compare. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think his is fraught with more things to overcome just because of the nature of, of the, the repair and, and like, the position. Because he's got to be more physical. He's running between the tackles. And like the quarterbacks, while they have to be ready to take hits in those things, this their body isn't preparing in the same way that I feel like a running back does. Now, I'm an idiot, and I don't know how running I will backs say this, though. in the NFL. But he's such a power runner, you know? And the thing is, I'm if... Once he's cleared to strengthen, I have no doubt that that is exactly what he's going to do. He is not uh, the nimble, side-to-side, agility guy. No. That, to me, is the part that would 
be more concerning about getting that back. Whereas the straight ahead bull rushing power. Yep. I think he can get there. Okay. Good to know. We'll see. All right. Another one more running back. JK Dobbins, unfortunately season ending torn left Achilles tendon in week one. He didn't have bad luck. He wouldn't have any. Let's be honest. Stanya, <laughs> he came in in the league in 2020. He played 15 games in 2021. He did not play at all in 2022. He played eight games in 2023. He played one. So over the last three seasons, he's played nine games total over the last three seasons. And remember, he went from an ACL injury and then wasn't quite right when he came back, had a subsequent knee surgery. And then we was just, he really kind of finished out that year strong and came in with good expectations for this year. Then the torn Achilles. Um, look, he was out rehabbing with Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, he, I think, I think, uh, I think he's motivated. I think he wants to come back, but he's running back and it's a different demand. So we'll see. That's going to be a lot more wait and see. And also, we don't know where he's going to be. That's true. That is true. And if you're somebody who ends up, you know, if you're a free agent and somebody else is is looking to pick you up, uh, they're going to want to know that you're on the other side of recovery and 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 have an idea of what they think they can expect from you productivity-wise. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't know much till it gets closer to the start of the year. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins is going to be tough just because of the fact that it's happened so many times over the last couple of years. And we have been very excited about the skill set. I mean, he's such a, a skillful runner when he's able to be healthy and be out there, but we just haven't been able to see it, unfortunately. So fingers crossed, hoping that J.K. is able to get healthy and put some games out on the field, not just for us, but for him as well. Last one's to find you, T.J. Hawkinson. This one hurts. Because it's just, it's still, he still feels tied to me. I still feel this connection with TJ in spite of the fact that he plays for my arch nemesis, the Minnesota Vikings, but season ending torn ACL in week 16, which is one of the last things that I want to hear is a guy that gets an injury like that, a torn ACL or an Achilles or something that late in the season. Can you tell me how much that could potentially impact TJ Hawkinson's off season and getting ready to 2024? Yeah, well, I think the timing certainly does because it wasn't just ACL, it was ACL, MCL. He did not have his surgery until the end of January. Mm-hmm. Um, end of January or beginning of February, it was somewhere late. Uh, so when you're looking at this combined knee surgery, you're looking at the typical time frame recovery that you would think of nine months to a year. Now, yep. it may not take him that long, but I think the start of the season, I'm certainly not expecting that. I think the question's going to be, do they keep him on the pup list, the physically unable to perform list, or do they activate him thinking he'll be moving along through practice? Um, because obviously when they're placed on that list, they can't practice with the team. But I don't really expect to see him on the field before October. Wow. Okay. Which so, isn't that because he, it just is timing from right. the injury I mean, that's as we, we talked about. Yep. And this is one of those things as we get into the off season and that'll move into draft season figuring out how has TJ responded to all of these things? Mm -hmm. Is he on schedule? Is he ahead of schedule? Is he behind schedule? Where are we going to draft him? Because he could, he could easily be a top three tight end in fantasy drafts, but if you know, he's going to potentially miss some games at the start of the season, we're going to have to start factoring in. How much does that mean that TJ might fall because of that? I will say this. They have really, really good crew in uh, Minnesota. And I think they, in in terms of rehab wise, uh, they understand what the plan is with him. I expect him to move along really well. He's a great athlete. And from everything that we know, he's a hard worker as well. So I think he'll be diligent with the rehab. This is often the one where it's coming down to, you know, they'll move along. They can also move along fine. And then when it gets come, comes back to the high end, the final phase of rehab, 
that can take a little bit longer. It's like they fly through the 90%, but that last 10% is the part that just takes forever. For Sometimes, them. and also, you know, you got to think what you're coming back to. When you come back and it's in season, yeah. it's hard to come back. You may come back to gameplay, but it takes you a, f- a few games to yep. get back to your pre-injury level. And so... Uh, I think when it comes to fantasy evaluation for him, that's the kind of thing we're going to be talking about when we get to the fall. Yeah, that full-on return to performance. All right, one last question for you based on all the people that we just talked about. I know you just said it with TJ, right? We're we're potentially worried TJ Hawkinson's injury might linger for us as fantasy managers into draft season for 2024. Yes. Anybody else on this list? I think Nick Chubb, you said, maybe is someone to think about. I think Nick Chubb, uh, that's going to be the case as well. That's what I would expect. And everybody else, I think, as as of right now, yep. in the way that we can judge it, yep. uh, we think um, J.K. Dobbins is a little bit of uncertainty, especially just not knowing where he's going to be. Yeah. Gosh, you're so smart. I learned so many cool words when you come on the show and it's just me and you doing this back and forth. I love being able to do this show I, with you. Kid. I know. It, well, it's hard. Uh, I appreciate everyone who's listening because it is hard. These are not quick Things in the sense that you can say where a guy is, but sometimes I think the understanding of why are we saying this one is a hard injury to recover from, or this one's a little bit outside the norm. If you're Nick Chubb, when you appreciate what some of these players have in their history bank, you understand why it's a little bit tougher for them to be able to recover than it might be somebody who's never had an injury before. Or if we haven't seen a lot of comps for this type of injury, why it's hard to project where a player might end up because we just don't see it that often. So um, all of that, you know, you're kind of seeing how the sausage gets made, but this is all the stuff that goes into evaluating what we think of a player potential for next year. Yeah. It's one thing to, to read a tweet that says this person has an ACL injury expected to miss four to six weeks. It's another thing to have all of the context and things that the nuance, right. That go into that to have the understanding of why does this, why did the injury happen? How is that going to impact other things? And Stefania, that's where you just make us better. I appreciate you for, uh, for being interested in Heck all yeah. that. Well, how can you not be interested in this stuff? All right. We're going to be back next Monday. I do not know who is going to be here with me, but it's going to be a very fun show. Hopefully, maybe you'll be here. Are you going to be at the Combine? Uh, no, I will be at the Combine. Well, look at you. Won't Just be me. Never stop yeah, me so Now we got to talk about these guys coming into the draft well, that'll with be a lot of fun. concerns. Cannot wait for the next couple of weeks of shows coming out of the Combine and looking at free agency and leading into the draft. It's going to be a very fun few months. We love you guys. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself, and we'll see you next Monday. Peace. got a smile that'll melt your heart she's always there to lend a helping hand her fantasy knowledge is just the start her skills are highly in demand she's our bay area lady out there hustling for us advice that we really trust Bay Area lady always there to help she's not a cone she's your favorite gal she's the fun you best